TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to The Permanent Record. I'm Josh Spickler, Executive Director of Just City. We're a nonprofit criminal justice reform organization based in Memphis, Tennessee. And The Permanent Record is our podcast about the criminal justice system and how we can work together to make it better for everyone. Virginia Murphy's merry band of actors and musicians at Playback Memphis have been bringing stories to life, life to communities and safe spaces for nearly 10 years now. Their work consistently unlocks healing, transformation, and joy in its audiences and its participants. Playback has a vision for Memphis that creates a culture of connectivity and emotional intelligence in all areas of our community. Officer Chris Street's raw emotion and authenticity attest to the power of Playback's kind of storytelling. Indeed, Officer Street's outlook on policing and life itself have changed because of it. We had both Virginia and Officer Street in the studio recently to talk about Playback in a very lively conversation. Virginia Murphy from Playback Memphis, thanks for joining us. Officer Chris Street from the Memphis Police Department, thanks you guys for joining us. Thanks for having us. Virginia, you um, are the executive director at Playback Memphis, and I'm a little bit familiar with your work, and maybe many of our listeners are too, but uh, give us the rundown about Playback Memphis, what you've got going on, what you've been a part of, and then we'll talk to you, Officer Street. Okay. Sure. So uh, at our core, uh, we are a performance ensemble, and uh, at our performances, audience members share true stories from their lives, and we have a team of actors and musicians that... Um, bring those stories to life. Um, it's kind of embodied uh, storytelling. And uh, the purpose is um, to build empathy. Um, we believe that there is uh, great wisdom in our stories and that in the world we live in today, that oftentimes uh, we are moving at such a fast pace and in such a state of overwhelm that we don't take enough time to pause and um, share our stories and that through this ritual of playback and seeing our stories come to life, we access uh, this wisdom that we can apply to solving some of the complex problems that we face um, as a community and also in our personal lives. And uh, so that's kind of how playback works as a performance art. um, and. Yeah, well, and, and one of the challenges that we face as a community is something that, you know, we're focused on on this podcast and at Just City, and that's the criminal justice system, which is um, why we wanted to have this conversation uh, among the three of us. And, and uh, so talk. let's take criminal justice and policing in particular because Officer Street's here with us and talk to us about how you apply that model that you just described at Playback in, with uh, with the – uh, the issue of policing our community safely and and well. Uh, how have you contributed to that? How, what what's Officer Street's role? And go, yeah, you tell us. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go back a little bit sure. and share kind of the evolution of the program. Sure. Um, so which is called which is called performing the piece. And so uh, in, I think it was 2011, there was actually a community police relations building project that was spearheaded by the Mid-South Peace and Justice Center um, that brought MPD officers with Shelby County um, sheriff's officers uh, together with communities who historically had had relations of 
distrust and tensions um, with uh, police. And uh, the process was that uh, these two groups met separately and uh, initially and explored the question of what is your uh, lived experience of community police relations and what is your vision for how to repair, restore, build a new positive relations. And so we were invited to be part of this um, project. And uh, as part of the project, I had the privilege of sitting in circles, both with community members and police officers. Separately at this time. Separately. Yes. I would go and from circle to circle and, um, and really just be a listening ear and a present, knowing that playback was eventually going to play a role when these two groups came together. Yeah. And Officer Street, you were in one of those circles. No. No, not yet. We not yet. Too, too soon for the arrival. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, I, not yet. I, I he he in. may not even know this story. Uh, so. Keep going then. Keep going. I was still deployed. <laughs> and so um, as, as, as um, in my experience there, um, what I came to recognize in, in the officer circle in particular uh, was that there was an extraordinary amount of um, intelligence and wisdom and thoughtfulness and heart that these officers were bringing to this circle about some of the systemic issues that were, um, I think I would say, um, making it so that they all had the feeling like our house is not in order. Like, how can we build positive community police relations when our house is not in order? And, uh, and so it became evident to me that that somehow there wasn't this pipeline for these, you know, individual officers who were street-level officers to use their wisdom and leadership um, to be able to um, af- work to solve a lot of the complex problems that yeah. we face in the community as it relates to the criminal justice system yeah. and... Uh, an officer straight. You no, that's fine. That's perfect. Don't don't worry about it. We'll we'll get there. And you were deployed at the time, so none of all of this is happening. You're deployed with the military. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do another podcast episode about that. I'd like that. But you <laughs> at some point came to work for the Memphis Police Department. When was that? I started in 2001. 2001. So when did you first learn of what Virginia just described for us? Uh, 2016. Just a couple. When, of, yes, that's just a couple of years ago. Was when I became involved with. Um, performing the piece and playback. Tell us what I, I remember, like the minutes before I attended my first playback Memphis event, and just really not knowing and not knowing what to expect. Tell us about what you expected when you were invited into the, the kinds of things that Virginia just described to us. Oh, well, I really had no idea uh, what to expect. Uh, was called by my lieutenant colonel and said, "Congratulations, <laughs> <laughs> you've been uh, selected to participate." Voluntold is what we precisely, and I said, "Well, what is it?" He says, "Well, I don't know, but they're going to feed you." <laughs> uh, so, I'm not a little guy. You can see I like to eat, so I, I went, and uh, she fed me. <laughs> so, so I decided I'll give it a shot. Yeah. So, what do you do with that when a guy gets voluntold to right. go and hey, they'll feed you? What What do you? How do you? Well, first you. You know, there's a little bit of theater in even getting people in the door because he's telling part of the story, but he's not necessarily telling all of it, which is, and he's not alone in this. And I hope this is okay that I'm saying oh, this. Oh, um, You know, that 
oftentimes, you know, officers show up and it's very clear that they're really not interested in <laughs> this, sure. even though they're being voluntold. Uh, and, uh, and so, but because they're being voluntold, they're, you know, they, they're there, they're there. <laughs> and, uh, did you want to? Sure. I'll, I'll, when, uh, at this time you and I spoke, uh, before we started this, I, I had just completed my degree. And one of the things I learned, um, was that I didn't know everything. Oh, so <laughs> that's a good degree to have. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I thought, uh, in the first 40 years I'd figured everything out, but I learned that I didn't. So I was sitting there listening to her. I thought this doesn't sound like anything that, that, uh, I would be interested in, but, uh, I will give it a shot because it's an opportunity for me to learn something that I don't know. And what was it? That you that you needed, like she, you, we heard her talk, Virginia talk a little bit about you know some of the you know the problems with policing in our community and some of the frustrations of the officers. Did did you? Sh- Can I just add yeah, something yeah, here? I mean, and I think in um, you know in terms of what we offer through performing the piece, and one of the things that I recognized in the experience that I talked about that happened in 2011 was that you know officers are living and working in a culture where not only are they institutionally really not allowed to um, express their feelings, they're really not allowed to have feelings. <laughs> and um, as a result of that, and as a result of you know, in order to stay safe in their job, there is a degree to which they absolutely must be able to put their feelings in their pocket and they yeah. need to operationalize uh, things in crisis. Um, but it's really clear that it is very dangerous for police officers to not um, have uh, practices for uh staying connected to their own humanity mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know in the in the structure of performing the piece we have uh, four sessions that are in group only so the first four sessions are officer only and then there's a parallel process in which you know we're working with um uh, individuals who've been incarcerated who are part of the uh, lifeline to success reentry program mm-hmm. and uh and they're going through you know a number of experiential exercises which you know, are really simply about inviting them to be aware of their feelings and their needs and the complexities and challenges of being a law enforcement officer on planet Earth in 2018 and the, you know, the history that you're a part of and as part of that. Yeah. So in the 15 years, Officer Street, leading up to this engagement, this opportunity with, with playback, what, you know, what's it like? being a police officer on the street in, in Memphis, Tennessee, and, and what are the frustrations and how do you put those emotions on hold and in your pocket, as Virginia said? Well, it wasn't just being a police officer. I spent 20 years in the military. I spent 1,184 days deployed. Um, I had I like to uh, compare it to or say my um, perspective of the world had become dark um, hmm. the lens at which I viewed the world had become I don't know shattered and, and it's just I had lost all faith in humanity certainly in Memphis and I was just holding on to retirement um, I had some land in Mississippi I was just gonna go and fish for the rest of my life <laughs> you know uh, just uh, so much negativity so much it's just 
to to see the things that people can do to other people, yeah, uh, yeah. the evils of the world, and and it's so easy to lose faith in humanity when when that's your everyday. People don't call the police to say, "Hey, I uh, I just got an A on my report card, or my son and daughter just did their chores today, and I'm proud of them. I wanted to share that with you." They don't call the police for those reasons. They call um, in the worst of their times. So we see uh, often the worst of humanity, uh, and. Um, was this the first opportunity you'd been given in your careers as as a, a soldier and as a police officer to do something other than shove that back down? Well, in the military when I joined, you just you didn't have problems between the ears. If you did, you were weak. Um, it just it, you, you just didn't it didn't come to your supervisors uh, because you had issues that locked them away and put them away, and that was where they stayed. Um, the police department does offer crisis intervention. However, it's uh, oftentimes in a large room with the other officers who experienced it. And, you know, you look around and do you really want to speak up in that situation? And um, there was one incident um, that I can recall where I uh, uh, witnessed a guy burning alive in his house. and there's bars on the windows and we finally got the bars off and, and by the time I could get into the house my partner pulled me out and he says man if you go in we're pulling two bodies out and and he was right it was too too late at that time but he and I went to that crisis intervention and and I didn't want to say anything and he didn't want to say anything but both of us were hurt and uh, years later I finally called him and said man listen I'm, I'm having trouble yeah yeah and so was he. Yeah. And that kind of trauma is not uncommon, right. unfortunately, in, in the job. And, 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 and that's really, you know, a part of what we're doing is creating that space where we can recognize um, both the personal and the historical collective trauma and its impact on our community. Um, and, you know, knowing that if officers have that lens and perspective, that's going to... Um, you know, propel them to be much more humane in the way that they're relating to those that they, you know, are charged with protecting and serving. Yeah. And what, so when you're, when you get groups from the community, uh, people who have been incarcerated, who have been in, uh, in, in the, um, other side of the criminal justice system and officers in the same, what are the challenges for you, Virginia, as a, as a moderator or a, or a, you're not a moderator, that's the wrong yeah, word completely, wrong. but what are your <laughs> challenges when you lead that, when you step to that circle with them? Well, I think, you know, I think that the structure and the process of this actually allows for um, the coming together to happen, unfold in a really beautiful life-affirming way. Well, and that's a, give because us an example there's, sure, that's because there's a lot of intentionality in how, how, we're um how the process unfolds so as i said you you know you don't you don't invite people to come together the very first session that would be a a horrible idea and there are a lot of very strong feelings about even being in the same room with each other um that uh you know that caught me by surprise you know feeling (laughs) of I don't, officers feeling, I'm not sure I feel safe, you know, and, and, and the other way around as well. Uh, but I think that, you know, because so much of our experience is beyond words, 
<laughs> uh, so much of our experience is beyond words and the way that, so, so when we do come together for the first time, um, you know, the, the structure of it is that the, you know, the officers sit on one side and the, and the lifeliners sit on the other side. And then we uh, invite about 20, 25 witnesses, community members who, um, can anchor and just be a grounding presence to the extraordinary courage that it does take to come together and share stories and truths. And so when that begins to happen, you know, and the question is, you know, what was it like when you first learned that you were voluntold? Because everybody's been voluntold to be there. And so, you know, they have stories and, and as it starts to unfolding, what you see is that, you know, what binds them together in their humanity is actually far greater than what divides them. And, you know, there's a clip of, of Gabby, who's a, um, was a, still is, she's an apprentice ensemble member now and was a lifeline participant. And, you know, she tells the story of seeing you, you know, tear up and that that made, you know, her have the courage to share her story. And, um, so, so that part, I mean, I think that, that shared felt humanity then, uh, just it envelops everyone. And so then there's a spirit of we can do this. And that doesn't mean that they're not challenges because I really don't want to, I mean, I think that, you know, sometimes playback can be painted in this way of, you know, it's, it's so much on the love note mm -hmm. and, and um, what about the, you know, justice and power and all of that. And, and I think that, you know, it, um, it's about the discipline of love. And yeah. so, yeah. Sorry, Do you feel, talking too much. no, that's great. Do you feel as a participant in this officer street that mm -hmm. you, you have tools? Cause I think a little bit of what Virginia described were, were tools. Uh, uh, that's not what the word she used, but what I yeah, hear yeah. is how you now then deal with the darkness and deal with the things you have to see and do as a police officer. Is that, is that accurate? Certainly. Now, um, the military and the police department, they've provided tools. They, they've, they've given us the, the cultural awareness and uh, the uh, the diversity training, the tools. Um, playback, however, went a step further and teaches just how to use the tools, how, how, what they look like. This is this is what it looks like um, when you put this into play. And um, more than that, it showed me what I look like um, inside. It. it it uh, painted a picture for me of who I am. Um, so before I could, before I could, be something positive for anybody else, I had to be the best me. I've got to be the best, and that's the challenge every day. Uh, I can't go out and be a, a, the best police officer and the best father and the best husband um, unless I can be the best me. I've, I've got to, I got to love myself. I got to be the best me before I can go out the door, and and so there's a challenge every day to wake up and be positive. They're still surrounded by negativity every day, so playback to me is so important to reconnect as often as possible, because um, it's not easy. It's it's a it's an art, and <laughs> it's just like any other art. If you don't practice it, you lose it. Yeah, and and I think. You know, also like just to talk about the tools a little bit, you know, the tools of, um, of nonviolent communication and the tools of, mm. of wholehearted leadership, which is really rooted in, um, 
deep and generous listening and empathy. And, you know, a lot of what we do too is recognizing the perceptions and attitudes and beliefs that have been handed down to us mm-hmm. um, and how those, uh, you know, which ones we want to hold on to and which ones we want to let go of. And if our skin is white, <laughs> then most of us want to let go of the, you know, legacy of racism that's in our DNA. And, you know, in the beginning, we don't talk directly, directly about that. Um, but that's at the heart of what we do. And I think that it helps officers and if I'm wrong, like if mm-hmm. to, you know, when you start to be aware of, um, you know, the, the collective trauma that, you know, some of the or all of the um, Lifeline participants have survived, um, it changes your perception of what might have propelled them to um, commit crime. And sure. I know you might speak about Will in that story. Or Yeah, t- tell us if there's a story, if there's an example of that, because that's exactly the question I think I was about to ask, is, is you're not alone, right, as a, a person struggling with trauma, uh, certainly in a community as ravaged by poverty and, and violence mm-hmm. as ours can be. Um, so is, is there a story that Virginia is referencing that, that puts that together for us? Well, there's so many, <laughs> but, but, uh, yes, um, Will is, uh, well, he's become one of my best friends, uh, a guy, uh, that, that I love, uh, dearly. And, uh, he was telling a story in when the, uh, lifeliners in law enforcement, we first got together, um, and you know we were nervous. I was nervous because uh, I didn't know what to think. You know what is what is this? What's going to happen here today? And he told a story. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong, but uh, I'll hit the main uh-huh. points. Basically, he's a young man who was trying to keep his family together. Was trying to provide for his siblings, his mm-hmm. younger siblings, and you know he wasn't old enough to get a job. He didn't have the skills to to go out and, and get a regular job, a real job. All he knew was the hustle of the street. And he wasn't doing it because he was a bad kid. He was doing it because his brothers and sisters needed to eat. Now, he didn't he didn't wake up and have the choice that I had that morning. Do I want to eat Lucky Charms or Wheaties? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it was it's just a whole different world and and it it floored me. I didn't know I mean, I had no idea. Is this happening during uh, performing the piece? This this relationship building. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's story sharing, and then I think it happens in the spaces in between because you know, I mean, what really is at the heart of our work is um, this idea that with trust, almost anything is possible, and without it, almost nothing at all. So everything we do is in the service of building relational trust and um and so that's once kind of we open up the space for stories then you know now there's that kind of story sharing that happens just when it's not necessarily formal playback time Mm -hmm. but it's just you know coming and going time and um so yes have you gotten um I don't know if this is the right word, warnings from colleagues on the force about this kind of trust. I mean, trust no, is a absolutely not. is a is a thing that I think you have to give out sparingly when, when your life is at risk as a police officer is so often. Is is that a thing? Have you received, um, you know, are people skeptical of this who, who work alongside you? 
Um, I don't. I think if they are, they're not going to tell me. Um, <laughs> okay. But no, I think I think that it's been received quite well. Um, and it's certainly been received quite well by the leadership of the police department. Yeah. And what kind of numbers are we talking about in terms of officers who are involved? In, in the twelve session immersive experience that Officer Street was a part of, that is um, seven officers participate and seven lifeliners. So that's a very very small number. Mm-hmm. So we actually, you know, and we have one of the things that we're most proud of is that we have a very strong evaluative culture that we've built around this work. We contract, you know, thirty party. We have a cross-disciplinary team that evaluates the work. And we knew that we were seeing that this had a deep impact on a small scale. And we wanted to um, to grow it, to deepen the impact, to broaden it. And so then we we went through this whole you know, process of discernment, engaging um, the participants. And if, you know, time and money were no barrier 20 years from now, what do you want the impact of this to be? And um, they claimed... Um, collectively um, that, you know, they would uh, like to see, we wanted to really root this work in Fraser. Um, so the lifeliners claimed that they wanted to see Fraser restored as a community of choice where people feel safe and valued and connected and hope-filled. And now they have led on this initiative to launch this work in, in schools. So we have a school program called Be the Peace. Um, which has just been amazing. And then the officers really claimed that they want to see a shift in culture the, towards one that values officer wellness and that um, they wanted um, to enhance law enforcement training to better serve the community. And so now we engage every new recruit um, class is has a four-hour module of cultural awareness training that is delivered by PTP-trained officers with playback facilitators. And the, um, you know, I just met with Deputy Director Ryle this morning about a number of different, you know, initiatives and ways that we're going to enhance this, adding trainings for FTOs, adding trainings for in-service officers, and they are 100% behind it. And I've been very grateful for that. And and this is uh, completely a softball question, but the words Virginia used to describe what the, the lifeliners, the people who have been incarcerated, uh, the words they used to describe the community that they want was a connected, valued, hope-filled community. How much easier is it to police a community that's that's like that, connected, it's, valued, and hope-filled? It's so much easier. And, and you know, listen, um, we as police officers are our own worst enemies. Um, we absolutely cannot be effective 100% without the community. We cannot do it. And we have to garner their trust. And in order to do that, we have to prove to them that their best interest is what we have at heart. And we have to, they know when we're full of crap. <laughs> you know, we, we can't go out there and, and, and pretend and say the right, you know, say, say the things that they want to hear and, or that, that we think they want to hear and then make the arrest and be on our way and never show up on their street again. We, you know, we have to, um, we have to be proactive and, and our current administration is doing amazing jobs, um, in, in making that happen. This is just uh, a start, uh, to such greater things. And, and let me tell you, if, if, um, uh, Virginia can make the changes in me that because prior to to this I was 
it's not nearly as open-minded, we should say, as, as I am now. Um, I engage people a lot differently than I do now. I, I raise my children differently now as a result of this. Yeah. Um, I present myself in, at home differently. Um, and, and I'm very proud to say that that um, I can honestly tell you everyone that I come across, whether they are uh, someone I'm going to take to jail or someone I'm going to buy lunch for, they are a human being. Yeah. No greater, no less than than myself or Virginia or you or my wife. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful stuff, and um, I think it it speaks to the you know the unlimited power of what you've created at, at Playback, and so. Um, you've been at it for a while. You've got a big anniversary coming up or, or happening now. That's what they say. Yeah. What's, 10 what's, years. Unbelievable. And you've got more than just performing the piece and, but it's equally powerful. The stories that, that I've heard and the, the impact that it has on people. Um, what's next? Like 10 years is a long time. What do you, it's working. So what do you want to do now? Well, I want to keep doing it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think we all want that. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think we didn't, uh, I didn't share anything about our Memphis Matters public performance series, but I think in our 10-year anniversary, one of the things that we're doing that's really um, great is we're ha- hosting special, like, circle back, play it forward, talk backs after our Memphis Matters performances. And Memphis Matters um, are, is a super special time in which, you know, people who experience playback in all different realms, whether it's, you know, from uh, being a student in school in Fraser or in the Memphis Police Department or one of many nonprofits we engage to come together and uh, and um, have a have a uh, an evening of story sharing. And um, after that, we talk about our how we make the magic happen. And <laughs> and it's good. It is good. It's really great. Um, I've been to a few myself. I need to get back. PlaybackMemphis.org. People can find out more about what's coming up with Playback Memphis. Um, thank you so much, Officer Street, for coming on. Thank and, you for and having us. Letting us know about the, the impact this has had on you. And thank you, Virginia Murphy, for Don't bringing. Forget, uh, Lifeline to Success. Oh, yeah. How, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. Our par- I, and actually, thank you for that because <laughs> I did not speak to that in, enough. And I need to say that. Yeah. Can I do yeah, that absolutely. right now? Talk yeah, about, yeah. And, yeah. So a um, vital partner in this work is uh, is Lifeline to Success. Um, who, and Lifeline to Success is led by DeAndre and Vanessa Brown. And many people are familiar with their great work in Frasier. Um, but I think that what the the success of our work um, is truly rooted that at the highest level of leadership, there is that um, deep relational trust and, uh, and their, um, yeah, just openness and support and, you know, shared vision, uh, has made, um, this work sing. And I'm very, very grateful for the partners in it. Yeah. Shout out to lifeline to success. The lifeline, the number two success. That's right. (laughs) Dot org lifeline, the number two success. We'll put all that in the notes to the episode. Uh, we will see you around town, Virginia, as playback continues to celebrate 10 years. 
hopefully I won't see you Officer Street on the streets. I like you seeing can. you in a podcast oh, studio. No, but, no, don't. <laughs> no, I would, I would if love. If you saw him on the street. Now like, I know. Now I know. you know. So I would you love don't to have to you. not want to see him on the street. I would love to see you on the street. The, the only people who should be afraid of the police are criminals. Right. And Otherwise, it's, no one should be afraid of And us. I'm parked illegally right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining us. It's so refreshing, Officer Street, to hear you uh, talk like this and talk about your experience and, and let us know uh, what it's like. And again, Virginia, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate this. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Thanks to Virginia Murphy and Chris Street for coming to see us and share so honestly with us. If you don't know about Playback Memphis, catch one of their performances soon. You most certainly will not regret it. Visit them at playbackmemphis.org for a list of times and locations of shows coming up and check out some of the other ways you can engage with them. They're all that's good and right about Memphis. Speaking of things that are good and right about Memphis, special thanks to Gil and Carla Worth at the OAM Network for their continued support of the permanent record and the podcasting community in Memphis. Check out some of their other great shows at theoamnetwork.com. Double thanks this week to Jeff Hewlett, first of all for She Got Gone, our original theme music as always, and for booking this episode. Uh, Jeff does it all. And no joke, Jeff has a band called Jeff Hewlett One Man Band. You should check it out on SoundCloud at Spotify. He plays all the instruments. And he booked this show. Thanks, Jeff. I'm Josh Spickler. This is The Permanent Record, a production of Just City. Learn more about our work at justcity.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at JustCity901. Make sure you're subscribing to The Permanent Record somewhere. Give us a rating. It helps us build our audience. In the Just City, we listen and we speak up. Our thanks to you for doing both.